This podcast discusses violence, drug use, and other adult themes. Listener discretion is advised. All right, welcome back to another episode of Breaking Pod. Today we are covering Season 3, Episode 3, and I am joined, as always, by Josh Goldman. Josh, how are you? Another week, another week of self-isolation, but, you know, we're all still healthy and, you know, we're we're happy to not have any other problems. So, That's good. how are you guys doing? We are doing great as well. Another week of isolation, so trying to find creative ways to, you know, not be too stir-crazy and all of that. Easter is just around the corner, which is exciting. It's got to do some uh, some Easter egg hunts with the kids. Oh, yeah. Uh, as well as all of the standard uh, liturgical celebrations and stuff. Obviously, we can't attend mass since uh, public masses are canceled, but we're doing the live stream thing uh, at our parish, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Um, you know, not as cool as the in-person, but it's nice that at least we have creative ways we can leverage technology to bring those uh, bring the sacraments at least virtually to people. So, Yeah, absolutely. You know, I was thinking about this. You know, this this podcast is going to become an interesting time capsule because if people come back to this later when they finally watch Breaking Bad, which we hope everybody watches, it's a great show. You know, it'll be interesting when people come back, you know, years later and they're like, oh, I remember that when we were all stuck inside. They and potted through COVID-19. That's right. These guys are bringing us the goods. That's right. <laughs> well, today's episode, Josh, is called IFT. Hmm. And I uh, wonder what that title means. wonder what it could mean. <laughs> and we're, of we course, being sarcastic. Uh, yeah. Dear listeners, if you've seen this episode recently, you know exactly what we're talking about. There is a scene in the very at the very end of this episode uh, that Josh, we were just talking about this before we hit record, and uh, I was watching this just you know two days ago for the first time in you know a year or two, uh, and it just hit me hit me full force right at the end there, just like a sucker punch uh, as Skyler drops that bomb, and we'll we'll get into all of that, but really incredible. It might not be hyperbole, Josh, to say that is the single most powerful moment in the show today. What do you think? Yeah, I think, yeah, it's pretty powerful. And I think as we talk through this episode, you know, I have pretty strong feelings about the character development of one character in particular. And so I think that that sort of puts a button on that. So I think in that respect, yes, it is one of the most powerful moments. It, you know, I think it might not hold a candle to the the Jane stuff, you know, in season two. That's pretty powerful and True. it has ramifications yeah. that go far beyond but but this one will have ramifications you know as we move forward and it's and it's going to become pretty important so i don't think you're wrong in saying it is one of the most if you were to say it's one of the most powerful moments that we've seen i i could i i give you that yeah that's fair no you're you're absolutely right the jane one is uh and you're talking about jane's death of course but yes. the, the jane one is more powerful uh i think the jane one is a little bit more a little bit less like a sucker punch to me because it's slightly more drawn out that happens yeah. over probably 60 seconds of footage sure sure whereas the skylar bomb drops in about a second and a half and yeah it's just so that's like, fair whoa what in the world uh yeah. so we'll get to all that but before we do let's do the wikipedia summary we'll give it our letter grade talk through it let's see if it adequately captures the gravity of this moment i have a feeling it will not <laughs> all right yeah here we go from wikipedia Walt moves back into the house and tells Skyler he has no intention of leaving. Walter Jr. is thrilled that his dad is back, but Skyler calls the police in an attempt to have Walt thrown out. By the way, Walter Jr., it, it's not supposed to be Walter, Jr., right? <laughs> no, I don't okay. think so. Walter, Jr. <laughs> All right, well, that's what Wikipedia thinks. Uh, she also decides, uh, she, she being Skyler, she also decides to pursue her own interests. 
Hmm. What could that mean? Interesting. <laughs> what a, what yeah. a euphemism. Uh, Jesse is still having trouble coming to terms with his girlfriend's death. She has a name. Come on. <laughs> but has moved back into his house unbeknownst to Walter. Gus has arranged a meeting with his Mexican cartel counterparts and makes it clear that he wants Walt left alone. Hank is still stressed and lashes out in a bar. That's that doesn't capture what actually happens no. there. No, Walt, Walt explains to Skyler that he committed all of his illegal activities for the sake of the family and asks Skyler to accept the drug money. <laughs> <laughs> what is happening here? Later, Skyler seduces her boss, Ted. That night, when Walt asks Skyler if she has decided to accept the money, she informs him of her infidelity. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Man. What's what's your letter grade there, Josh? That's that's really something. It's not as bad as last week's, but it's not good. I, I, I think last week's we gave a D minus. I think this one I will give a D. It's, it's bad, oh. but it's not as bad. That's exactly where I was leaning as well. Yeah, not quite as bad. Uh, but let's, let's break this down a little bit, this, uh, this D level summary. So, yeah, so the writing itself is, Jr., is bad. First of all. <laughs> yeah, yeah the, the writing, the structural writing is bad. But what I will say that the la- this one has that the last one did not is that it does seem to have some sequence. Last time, the last summary, if I'm if I'm remembering correctly at this point, did not have much sequence. So we were we were going through it, and I was like, this doesn't seem to be the order of events in the episode. This one at least generally follows the order of the events. Yeah, but yeah, but it's, it's not good. It's got that going for it. So that brought it up from a minus to a D for you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay, good. I will say the the bad about this is that it it as most of these Wikipedia summaries do, it just completely flattens any emotion not yeah no you're right now it's not supposed to it's not i don't think it's meant to give you the emotional impact of the episode but it totally flattens pretty much everything about it and it it sort of skirts the point of some of the scenes as well like the scene that we can talk a little bit about this because we're not going to talk about it in our best scene best writing or best moment but this thing about hank what what they don't tell you in this is that hank has been offered his position back in el paso where he had the traumatic moment with tortuga you know, in season two. And so that is why he's feeling all this repressed anger and rage and, and difficulty that, that he lashes out in this bar. The Hank is still stressed and lashes out in a bar does not quite, does not quite cover that. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, uh, last week on vernacular, um, I had a guest on named Chandler Rod, you know, Chandler, Mm -hmm. and, uh, we talked about film and what qualifies film as art and Chandler brought up this quote from Robert Frost that says poetry, obviously he's talking about poetry, not film, but the principles apply. R- Robert Frost says poetry is that which begins in delight and ends in wisdom. In other words, there's more, there's more to poetry than simply like, you know, a nonfiction narration. Right. And that's the, that applies to film as well. Film, you know, right, rightly considered good film, film that cons- uh, that constitutes art tells us more than simply the facts it weaves them together in an emotionally compelling narrative that tells us something, and that is that it leads us to wisdom. It, it shows us something about what it means to be human, about ourselves, et cetera, about the nature of reality. Um, and so Breaking Bad, I think, does that in a fantastic way, which is why I say it's the best television show ever made. Um, but these Wikipedia summaries... <laughs> they do not. They, they don't actually do that. Uh, they read much more like, you know, straightforward recapitulation of facts. Um, obviously, facts here, you know, not being real facts, because this is a fictional show but it's very hard uh, you know i in some ways i sympathize with the wikipedia summarizers because it's hard to capture all the depth and drama of what's going on in the breaking bad universe in, in a paragraph right i will say this these read a little bit like someone 
turn in a report about the episode after reading a Cliff Notes version of the episode. Like they didn't actually yes. watch it. I agree with but that. But they read something and then they were trying to summarize that and not summarize it in a way where they're plagiarizing. So they're using different words that pretty much mean the same thing. Yeah, that's great. And and I also think, it, you know, one of the consequences of doing that is that you leave out some really crucial details, like the one with Hank that you mentioned already, or in this summary, it says, unbeknownst to Walter, Gus has arranged a meeting with his Mexican cartel counterparts and makes it clear that he wants Walt left alone. So that's factually true, but it's only part of the story because he also says, I want you to leave him alone for now while I'm doing business with him. And then after that, you can kill him and I don't really care. I actually, you know, I understand your need for revenge. <laughs> so right, that's a pretty right. crucial part. Uh, you know, it's not just him sticking up for Walter. It's him saying, hey, don't kill him yet. I'm fine if you yeah. kill him, but it's not yet. Yep. And of, and of course, the last sentence of this Wikipedia summary, the title of the episode could have been S-I-H-O-H-I instead of IFT, which we'll get to when we get to best writing. <laughs> She informs him of her infidelity. Yep, that's it. Sayohi. Yep. Sayohi. Um, All right, should we should we move on to best scene? Yeah, let's do it. And and I want to kind of situate the episode this way, Josh. We have a main tension point throughout the entire episode that is between Walt and Skyler. The way that's narrated throughout, I think, is masterfully done. It ends with that sucker punch. But earlier, we have that scene with the uh, the police that we'll get to in just a second. Right. Uh, Skyler is struggling with that as well, goes to her lawyer. Um, and that's that's the main point of tension. But then we also have this side narrative with Jesse that is beautiful in like a super sad, you know, melancholy and kind of devastating way. Um And, and we end on a really uh, sad note as far as he is concerned as well. And so we'll get to all that. But maybe as we as we tackle the central point of tension between Walt and Skyler, let's start with that police visit, because uh, that happens before the lawyer visit. But I think we need to talk about that, the lawyer visit and the IFT at the end. So let's go with uh, with your best scene nomination, Josh. I'll let you uh, explain it from here. Yeah. So so Skyler doesn't want Walt in the house. And so she says, look, if you don't leave, I'm going to call the police and I'm going to have you forcibly removed. And he sort of balks at this idea and he says, do what you need to do. And what I find best about this scene is that I totally can relate to Skylar. Now, certainly not in the same circumstances, but this feeling of like physically not being able to do anything to get out of a situation, despite you knowing you're in the right. I mean, I guess she does have an option that she could tell the police all everything she knows about Walt's, you know, meth manufacturing. But Physically, she's, she feels like she is stuck, and I can totally relate to that in, in situations in my life. Certainly, again, not in the same circumstances, thankfully, but you know, in different smaller ways, I totally get that, and I think they portray it really well in the scene. She f has to follow through on her threat to call the police, and then they come, and they interrogate her. Of course, Walt Jr. is now home, and he's infuriated that his dad is being questioned by the police. She, he's like, I can't believe that you called the police on my dad, my my dad, who is this great person. And so we're going to hear a little bit of this police interrogation. Basically, you have one police officer interrogating Skylar and one police officer interrogating Walt. And we're going to hear a little bit of their conversation here. We can't arrest a man for breaking into his own house. Not without a court order requiring he stays away from the premises. Unless he's threatened you or the kids in any way. No, not, not physically, but having him in the house is just... It's, it's not a good thing. Excuse me. I got her, honey. Oh, come here. 
Here we go. You hungry? You hungry? Here we go. Oh, that was it. I'm sorry, officer. Where were we? I think the thing about this scene that's so interesting is that Walt is doing his typical like manipulation thing, and I think he knows that Skylar's not going to spill the beans about his his meth business because she will somehow probably be implicated in that as well for knowing for a time and then, you know, not saying anything or whatever the case may be. So it's just so it, it's almost like some of the slimiest that we've ever seen Walt because he's putting on this act of being this perfect husband, burping the baby and giving the baby the bottle and and Skylar is over there losing her mind, like not being able to do anything. And I just totally this is one of those scenes and episodes where I could feel that tension like physically watching that I think lesser shows would not be able to give you. Yeah, that's absolutely correct. I mean, just the like the revulsion you feel towards Walt in this scene is palpable. And it's, uh, you know, Skyler's frustration is compounded by not just the fact that Walt picks up Holly and is tending to her and showing what a wonderful doting father he is, but also by the fact that Walter Jr. is taking his side in front of the police and mm-hmm. the policeman says, like, you know, what's your view of the situation? And Walter Jr. is like, it's all her fault. <laughs> yeah. And Skyler's just it's like, what, what is going on here? And so, yeah, it's a it's a pretty devastating scene for Skyler. Uh, there's there's no other way to put it. I mean, and she clearly doesn't have a good handle on what she is allowed to do and is not allowed to do i mean she they can't arrest him for breaking and entering into his own house like the cop says right um but she wants them to do because do that because she changed the locks um and so she's really at her wits end understandably and it's a very frustrating scene that that sets up all of this this tension and really it's kind of the culmination of a lot of tension that's been building but uh the fact that he's around and refusing to leave is it's scary it's really scary right And I think it goes back, it builds on what we heard in the last episode where everybody's on Walt's side and and it's continuing here and it's sort of building and building and building. And when we get to our best writing, we're going to talk about how Skylar finds someone to latch onto who is not on Walt's side because he's not aware of anything in the situation. And so I think that's an interesting like character thing. But before we get there, Zach, what is your best scene? Yeah, well, it's very related. Uh, it's when Skyler goes to her lawyer to basically find out what her options are. And uh, recall that the policeman says in the in the policeman scene, he says, you know, is there anything your husband's doing, anything illegal, right? If we find out that, we get a restraining order, et cetera. And she doesn't want to say, probably like you said, Josh, because she's going to be implicated, probably because she's afraid that her family will truly fall apart entirely, all that stuff. Um, but then she goes to the lawyer and the lawyer reminds her of this little thing called attorney client privilege. And then we get this little gem. And before I play it, one, one thing I'll just say is that I love how breaking bad does this a lot, but really any show, I love these moments where a character is flying totally in the dark, unaware of something. And then another character just drops, drops the hammer on him and tells him something that they had, they had no idea of this, by the way, is only the first time that Scott does it in this episode, but, uh, but more to come on that. Understand I'm bound by the attorney-client privilege to keep everything you tell me a secret. I can't tell a soul unless you authorize me to. Even if it's something illegal? Especially if it's illegal. I'm your lawyer, not the police. My job is to protect you. Methamphetamine. 
man. So that's that's uh, dropping a bomb on the lawyer there. A uh, couple things here. One, like I said, I just love it when when one character just totally illuminates another, kind of shatters expectations, perspectives, etc. I, I find those to be powerfully compelling scenes. Um, two, we see Skylar getting some strength here that she didn't have in front of the policeman. Now, granted, the stakes are a little bit different, uh, law enforcement versus a, a lawyer with attorney-client privilege, etc. But now she's at least talking. She's verbalizing some of these things, and we have not seen her do this before. Um, things I don't like in this scene. Uh, there's a small nit to pick that I have here. And that's, Josh, have you ever heard someone refer to the attorney-client privilege? No, never. Okay. Yeah, I haven't either. It's the first time I've ever heard that. I mean, normally it's everything you tell me is protected by attorney-client privilege. I mean, I suppose it's not like technically incorrect to say the attorney-client privilege, but no one says that. Who talks yeah. like that? <laughs> so I was like, did did someone like flub the writing of that or did this actress who's trying to make it big flub the delivery? Like, I, like what happened here? I don't know. The bit character, I'm going to guess. Flubbed, yeah, flubbed something it's probably true however i will say in her defense i actually think she does a pretty good job in this scene. Now, like, it's probably not that hard of a scene like i mean she did it better than i could i'm not an actor <laughs> but uh but i think she actually did a pretty good job with the exception of that the attorney client privilege so right 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 i totally agree and I, I you sort of get the sense that skylar is a little bit relieved she can tell someone although she kind of it, it's sort of short-lived because she knows it's you know it's not going to go anywhere she doesn't authorize her lawyer to then go and tell the police as her lawyer had suggested she do. So, you know, it's, it goes both ways, but you sort of get the sense that there's a little moment of relief where she can tell someone other than her infant daughter, daughter Holly, who probably hears everything. So well, Holly was a witness anyway, when she saw the, uh, when Walt showed her all right. the money in the walls. Yeah, right, right. That's true. That's so true. another she thing about the scene, I was really hoping that when uh, Skyder says, even if it's illegal, the lawyer would respond, especially if it's illegal, as she did, and then add, Skyler... I'm not a criminal lawyer. I'm a criminal lawyer. <laughs> oh my gosh. And then if, if Saul just burst into the room, he's like, like Hey, Hey, like, Hey, you talking like to my Kool-Aid client? Man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That would be so great. I kind of wish Saul was everybody's lawyer and he was just oh, representing everybody so in, the, in the uh, whole series. Just no, conflicts of interest abound everywhere. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. All right. So let's go to the sucker punch scene, Josh, the IFT scene. I do have the audio of this. I will warn listeners, you probably know it's coming, but just if you have children around uh, and you don't want to hear strong language, don't uh, don't play this. Turn it off right now, but uh, or just fast forward it, you know, uh, a 30 minute. seconds. Yeah, yeah 30 seconds. Uh, but we're about to play the strong language. Uh, apologies in advance, but I think you need to understand this uh, and hear it to understand the power of it. So there's so much we can say here, Josh. Uh, that's what IFT stands for, first of all. That's the first thing we can say. Um, <laughs> yeah. The second thing is just from a filmmaking perspective. So we chose this, I should mention, not as best moment, but as best writing. And yep. the obvious question, I think, would be like, why would you choose this as best writing? There's three words. Um, and the answer is that writing isn't just about the amount of words that you put on a page, right? It's about lining up the the moment with the vocabulary. And this moment is a great example of a writer doing that very effectively. Uh, and, you know, there's some famous writer, I forget who it was, but basically said, if I had more time, I would have written less. The idea being like, it is hard to write concisely and and sort of capture perfection in few words. But I think this scene does it as, as best they can. Um, 
and the you know the foul language i think some might even object like is the the language necessary well yes i think the language is necessary because what we're talking about is not like a a romantic affair where uh where skyler has conflicting feelings what we're talking about is a married couple that is just going at complete cross purposes like this uh there is a lot of uh hatred or at least animosity between the two of them that is really coming to a head and skyler feels trapped as you pointed out and she did what she thought would give her an escape and lead her to have some sort of leverage, exact some sort of revenge on this man who has, who has taken so much from her and destroyed so much of her life. So that's that's really interesting. Um, and the second thing is just to point out the the sort of staging of this and the cinematography we have. We have um, really kind of like it's an inverse of the like traditional 1950s setup where you'd have the man coming home from work and the woman in the kitchen. You have Walt actually in the kitchen you know, trying to look like a good, a good house husband, loving the family, doting, et cetera, preparing a pot roast and a nice salad that he's preparing the croutons for, et cetera. And then you have Skyler coming home. So there's an interesting inversion there. Uh, it's kind of dark in the house itself. The kids are watching TV. Walt has a friend over uh, and Skyler walks into the kitchen. Walt's, uh, Walt's doing his thing where he's just like talking and talking and talking, trying to act like everything's normal. Um, Skyler's not having any of it, totally silent. And then she just walks up to him so slowly. And we have this, it's probably 30 seconds of silence that just builds and builds and builds and you're expecting something. And and as the viewer, you don't know exactly what happened with Ted. You're pretty sure because the last time she saw him, he, she kissed him in the office and then said, are your kids at home? And he said, no. So you can kind of put two and two together, but you don't know for sure. And then Skyler comes home. We have this long, long, long buildup. She drops the IFT bomb. He then, I mean, I don't even, I don't even know how you, how to describe his face. Uh, like anger. Uh, it's like it's it's like it's like he's been wounded. Yeah. the The way that I think about the scene is like you know Breaking Bad has a lot of moments of like physical violence that we see you know within the drug trade, but this is one of those moments where what she says here, the IFT bomb, is like a like a dagger. And she she uses it. She uses those words. She uses that tone of voice. She uses her actions of actually having done the act earlier that we don't see in the episode that we we just know about from this. She uses that as a weapon against him. Like you were saying, this is not some romantic affair where she's like, oh, I might be in love with Ted. I mean, we don't know. They might have had a past. We've talked about that before. But this particular moment is certainly meant to be a weapon against Walt. And I think she wields it as effectively as she possibly can. And I think that that's what I like most about this episode is that we see a full character turn from Skylar. And it's not necessarily a good character turn. Like she's not taking the higher road and saying, I will figure this out and do something positive. But she's been pushed into this corner, or at least she feels like she has, and she does something that she knows will hurt Walt. And I think that is why the specific language, to your point, some might argue it might be too much, but in this case, it was meant to be that for a reason. And the reason is because it's used in a derogatory, combative way. Yeah, that's exactly right. I could not agree more. And I love your point about how this is a character turn for Skyler. We've talked about these pivotal moments for characters. I don't think Skyler's had a pivotal moment yet. We've seen some pretty good character development from her. Jesse's had pivotal moments. Uh, he has one in this episode, in fact, that we'll talk about in just a sec. Uh, Walt has certainly had pivotal moments. Uh, so the main characters have had those types of moments. But yeah, and we, even and even when Skylar calls Walt out for for being a, a you know, d- 
are you selling weed? Are you selling cocaine? Even that is still within her character of sort of like a little bit like on the defensive, even though she knows information. But this, this moment is a total like 180 from where she was. Yeah. I think, you know, one is, um, one is much more timid and it's, uh, it's nature is inquiry, asking questions and prodding. And the other is much more declarative, uh, imperative even, you know, you will do this. I did this. Um, and, and that's, that's the shift that we see here. And we see it even within this episode itself. We talked about how when she's with the cops, she doesn't say anything because she, she can't. When she's with the lawyer, she does. But if you notice in the clip I played, she whispers it. My husband's a meth dealer, right? Or <laughs> yeah. not, my husband makes meth, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and now she still has a low voice, but now she is fully in control. She's wielding that weapon that like you talked about. And, and we see this, this pivot for Skylar. And I think if memory serves, we'll see this this character change pretty much permanent at this point. I mean, she's a yep. she's a strong character moving forward. Uh, it doesn't always work in Walt's favor. Sometimes it does, but uh, but she is no longer just a you know housewife along for the ride. Yeah, no, I totally see that. And I think what you were saying before I, I jumped in with my analysis is that even more to the point, like she says this. She doesn't like wait for him to respond. She grabs the salad and she goes and sits down for dinner. And so I think that to me is the biggest indication of her character change because you can tell she doesn't feel any regret. She doesn't feel any tinge of like, maybe I shouldn't have said that. Maybe should I wait and apologize? No, she is meeting Walt where he has met her, which is deceptive and and gross and kind of evil in different ways. Yeah. And she's meeting him in that place. And I think that's another like really sad thing about Walt Walt's character demise you know Walt as a person his demise because like again he thought he was doing this for his family and he thought that he was providing all this money this physical thing that they would need and not only has it harmed other people he's had to kill people the the jet crash but now he's affecting his own family in a super super negative way like I don't want to say Skylar obviously has her own ability to choose what she wants to do but you probably wouldn't see her do this with ted and say those words if walt hadn't driven her to that point in 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 some manner right yeah that's absolutely right completely agree um so any more any more stuff on this walt skyler tension uh before we go on to jesse and we'll talk about the best moment in that in that context no i just think it's a it's really good i think it it's one of the best like clashes that we've seen on the show to this point and i think it was really well done yeah agreed all right let, let's go to jesse so jesse's kind of a side narrative here uh, but obviously as one of the central characters uh, we need to see some development from him uh as well so while this skylar walt stuff is going on we're cutting here and there to jesse and uh your best moment josh you selected as uh this moment where josh or where jesse is calling jane's cell phone number we've seen him doing this earlier in the episode and it's it's so sad and pitiful and pathetic. Uh, I don't mean that in a, in a critical way, but just like it's it's sad to see what he's going through. Uh, but he's just calling her phone number to hear her voice on the voicemail message. Um, this, of course, in the era before like Snapchats and Instagram messages and stuff like that. So this is all he has to remind himself of what her voice sounded like and to hear her voice. Right. I, and I think the thing that I the reason I picked it as my best moment is because it's a it's a very small thing, but. I think Aaron Paul plays this really, really well. And this is just another example of the, the quality of acting that we get on this, this, this show. You know, clearly he's not listening. I mean, you know, 
behind the scenes acting tidbit, he's he's not listening to anything. That was all probably put in in post-production. And yet he still makes us feel like everybody's, whether you've gone through a breakup or you've lost someone or something, everybody kind of knows that feeling of wanting to hold on to like one last thing or one last sentimental thing. And and the moment where he no longer has that and it and it sort of breaks away, he doesn't say anything. He doesn't like cry out in anguish, but he just gives us this like, it's it's hard to describe without watching it, but we'll hear sort of the what what he goes through right here. Hey, if you're trying to sell me something, I've got four little words for you. Do not call. The number you have reached, 1494985 in area code 505, is no longer. It's just like the combination of his acting, the music, the fact that he's sitting in this empty, gigantic house that just sort of mirrors the emptiness that he feels inside. And we have to remember, he's still going through this period of like recovery, not just from Jane's death, but also from, you know, his rehab from drugs as well. And so I just think it's a it's a really illustrative moment for him as a character, even though it's a small one. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, it's the um, it's the equivalent today of. I think people wouldn't do this today because we have so many other media uh, to engage each other. But it would be the the equivalent of like you know Facebook shutting down someone's Facebook profile when when they pass pass away. Yeah. Uh, or or you know Instagram or whatever. And like just seeing that you know that being a reality and not being able to like look at the person's photos anymore and see their status updates and things like that, I think would 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 hit someone really strongly for someone that they had loved dearly. Yeah. And so that's that. I will say, Josh, you said the empty house uh, for Jesse. It's not totally empty because it has that little cactus that, that Saul Goodman brought by. <laughs> yeah. 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 Housewarming gift. <laughs> what do you say? Like, he's like, I, I, I've never really, I've never really loved the minimalist vibe, but hey, you <laughs> yeah. do you or something like that. Yeah. 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 He does have a sleeping bag. <laughs> yeah. That's right. So a sleeping yeah. bag and a cactus. What more could you want? Yeah. Jesse never been really good at furnishing. Speaking of cactus, uh, today while we were on one of our social isolation family walks trying to get some fresh air, uh, my son, uh, touched a cactus, like just oh went boy. to, went to grab it, uh, and then like fell on it or something. <laughs> Cause there were, there were, there were cacti prickles, uh, you know, on his, on his butt and in his hand, poor guy. <laughs> Not we, spent, we spent some time with some tweezers, like picking them out. Uh, feel bad for him, but every, every kid's dream. Yeah, right. I mean, like who who of us has not been there? Like we've all done that. But yeah. splinters are awful. Like splinters, no, ca- terrible. cacti, like they're just that you have that like that sensitivity hurts to touch, can't see them, can't get yeah. to them if yep. you can see them. Yeah, it's just awful. Yep. So terrible. Poor guy. Um all right, well, yeah, so this that Jesse scene I think is really, really uh strong and it sets up what I wanted to talk about really briefly, which is that Jane has now fully passed on. Her memory is totally gone from his life in any sort of digital or, or analog sense. And, uh, and he decides, go recall the couple episodes, a couple episodes ago when Jesse says, I'm the bad guy. He has now embraced that. Now, when Saul gave him the cactus, I'll encourage him to get Walt cooking again. But Jesse apparently thinks I can do this for myself. So we, the last scene we see with Jesse in it. Now the last scene is IFT, but the last scene with Jesse in it in this episode is him in the desert, in the RV, putting the mask on, getting ready to cook. Uh, and so we see the, uh, you know, we see Jesse kind of come full circle back to where he started, 
Uh, we thought that Jane might pull him on the straight and narrow. Waltz made sure that didn't happen. Uh, and then we thought maybe when Jesse was in rehab, maybe he would stay on the straight and narrow. But that didn't happen because he realized he was the bad guy. And now that he's lost every attachment to Jane, who was the last best hope to keep him on the straight and narrow, he's going back to what he knows that he's good at. You know, the one thing in his life that he has he has seen deliver him some level of success. And that's pretty devastating to see. Yeah, I have a feeling he may not be as successful as Walt is in terms of cooking. That's yeah, just a that's, guess, though. Uh, it's probably an accurate guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Good, He's good, no Heisenberg. good moment. Yeah, no Heisenberg. Heisenberg's assistant. All right, any nits to pick in this episode, Josh? Yeah, I have two nits to pick. Uh, the first one is, at one point, Walt is, he's been locked out of his bedroom. He's sleeping in Holly's room because Holly is still staying in Walt and Skylar's bedroom. And he hears Holly cry, so he gets up to see if he can help. Of course, Skylar doesn't want his help. She doesn't even want him in the house. And he basically gets locked out of his room, and he then has to use the bathroom. Now, he chooses to use the sink. <laughs> I know exactly kitchen. where you're going with this, and this is definitely a nit that I had as well. Do, do they not have another bathroom? I thought <laughs> they... I, where does Walt Jr. No, shower? they in? definitely have another bathroom, and this is exactly <laughs> this was exactly my thought process as well. The only thing that I thought when I was watching it is maybe he's trying to be vindictive. Maybe. Right? Like, maybe it's like, if she won't let me in the bathroom, I'll pee in the sink, which like, which, <laughs> Except like, he okay, lives there but... too, so he has to use the sink too. <laughs> True. Very good point. Uh, maybe he's not grossed out by his own urine. I don't know. Uh, yeah, but like, even in, on a larger sense, like, what are you, five years old, dude? Like, that's right. your way of getting back? Come on. Like, you're, you're, you're a more creative villain than that, Heisenberg. Right. Maybe he's reacting to the fact that I think, I'm pretty sure he can smell the smoke from Skylar smoking in their room before Holly wakes up and he makes a face and then he walks to the kitchen and pees in the sink. It just, it was like, you have another bathroom. This is, yeah, this is totally. ridiculous. The other nit to pick I have, and this is a big one. This is a big one. I want to get your take on this. So we know from an earlier scene where Skylar is back at work and, and helping Ted Beneke to cook the books. This is before their romantic rendezvous in the break room. We know that she's bringing Holly to work because she doesn't want to leave Holly with Walt. She doesn't want to leave Holly with a babysitter, whatever. So when Walt and I mean, I'm sorry, when not Walt, when Skylar and Ted finally have their rendezvous back at at uh, Ted's house, where where is baby Holly? Where is she? Is she there as well? Because when Skylar returns home, she's carrying baby Holly. No, so, I think you're exactly right. I had that thought as well. Baby Holly definitely was subjected to that in Ted's yeah. house or or yeah. she was left in in bad taste in the car in a hot car both very which, bad scenarios both very bad both horrible scenarios yeah also when when skylar goes into the break room to make her copies holly is nowhere to be found I, and i guess you could see maybe she would leave her in the office because who's going to go in there but even still if you have a newborn baby or at least you know an infant you're not going to leave them just in their car seat if, if you're going to go make a thousand copies which it seems like she was doing now that I can excuse if A, the break room is close to her office. Okay. And B and B has to be both. Holly is sleeping in her car seat. Okay. Yeah. Cause because I can I can imagine if, if it's like two doors down or one door down from her like office. Like you don't want to wake her up. Right. Leave the door open so you can hear her if she cries, wakes up, but you don't want to wake her up. You can just sneak away to make some copies. You know, okay. but you yeah. you want to you want kind of a line of sight to the office, et cetera. Now, none of those things are necessarily implied by the uh, episode right. so i'm i'm making some leaps here but i can't excuse that one on those two conditions so what we didn't hear the scene the the extended scene is ted are your kids home no well my kid's in the office so let me go grab her 
We'll put her in the car. We'll go over there. Let's find a room for her so she yeah. can sleep and not hear this. And then let's do it. Oh like, my goodness. Yeah. Like terrible. that to me, when she came home with the baby, I was like, she had the baby the whole time and yep. she did this the, anyway. I had the same exact thought. I was like, wait, what? Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, that's all my nits picked. Did you have anything else? No, that's it. It's time for our MVP vote. So uh, I have a feeling I know where you're going with this one, Josh, but yes. uh, I'm going to ask you anyway, who is the MVP for this episode? My MVP is Skylar. She has the most to do in terms of driving the plot forward. And as I said earlier, I can just feel like her, her, her energy in this episode. And it's a tremendous performance too, by Anna Gunn. Like she does, we, we talked before, sometimes she doesn't quite meet the other actors, you know, on their level, but she certainly does in this episode. Did you have the same thought? Absolutely. I, I don't see how you can give it to anyone else. I mean, Walt does well in his moments where he's interacting with her, but nothing like her. I mean, this is a this is the rare episode, I think, where Anna Gunn eclipses Brian Cranston. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I think she does a fantastic job. Um, if I would still vote for her if she had no other lines than asking Ted, are your kids home? <laughs> yeah. Or because I think that's the only thing she says to Ted, right? I yep. think it's the only yeah. Yep. So if she had no other lines other than "Are your kids home?" and "IFT," I would still give it to her because those like those scenes are phenomenal as far as delivering an emotional impact and driving the plot forward. Yep, yep. And she did, you know, she would later go on to win two Emmys for her portrayal as as uh, Skyler. So, well deserved. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, that's all I have for this episode. Great. Well, that wraps it up for the episode IFT. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of Breaking Pod. Let us know what we missed. Let us know what you liked, what you didn't like. BreakingPod at vernacularpodcast.com. And until next week, I'm Zach. And I'm Josh. Have a great week. 